listening to the Theronathon, where we are going to take you on a journey that is ongoing as Charlize Theron continues to create movies. And by we, I mean my co-host, Robin Elaine Hitchcock. Hello. And Bob Shields. Hello. And myself, Regina Connolly. And today we are talking about the Netflix release, The Old Guard. And to start things off, as we always do, let's hear one sound reviews. Yeah! <laughs> uh, mine is... Yeah, all right. Mine is so this movie's all right. It's pretty good. So I I think we should start out by saying like spoiler alert. Like we always have spoilers on this podcast, but this is an example of a movie that you could go watch right now, unless you're one of the four people I know who don't subscribe to Netflix. So just go watch it. We're telling you now it is worth your time. We can discuss the, you know, the extent to which it is worth your time over the course of this episode, but... And we will. And we will. Just go watch it, then come listen to this. Yeah. Robin, do you want to do the plot summary? Sure. The Old Guard is about a group of immortal beings who, you know, they, they're wandering do-gooders and warriors. <laughs> They've been around for a long time. They're immortal. They do, like, one job... And find out it's a setup from Chiwetel Ejiofor. They all get shot in the face, wake up, Charlize hits people with an axe. And then she's like... A circular axe. Yes. And then she's like, you know, the world keeps getting worse. I'm kind of done doing this. And then they're on a train. They have a dream that there's a new one of them. Who is Kiki Lane? Who is a U.S. soldier in... Is she Afghanistan. In Afghanistan? Okay. Yep. And she gets her throat cut and wakes up in a hospital. And her fellow soldiers are like, girl, you died. <laughs> and <laughs> she's like, well, look at my perfect scar-free throat. You obviously didn't see it right. Charlize and co. abduct her and they're like, yeah, you're immortal. Like, this is the deal. They tell their backstory. Charlize tells them that, like, basically the way their immortality works is that you're immortal until you're not. Just like one day you get your throat slit and you don't heal. They show that someone who's implied to have been Charlize's lover had been like disemboweled and his stomach did not close back up. And so they all like sort of feel immortal, but sort of aren't. It's a very interesting dynamic. Yeah, I want to talk more about this later. Yeah, they tell more backstories like, here's our backstory. Here's our backstory. This movie is based on a comic book and it feels based on a comic book and <laughs> it does they do this thing where they're like we'll talk about this in more detail but they're like here's what the sequel's gonna be about in the middle of the movie right. <laughs> and ultimately Charlize loses her immortality we find out that Chiwetel Ejiofor and Dudley Dursley are going <laughs> is to... that his actual name no that's no. the character he played in Harry Potter oh <laughs> yeah grown-up Dudley Dursley whose face is really concentrated on the center of his head he looks like a Wallace and Gromit character. He really does. That's exactly what he looks like. They are going to try to cure cancer by studying these immortals. We find out that one of the immortals who lost a son to cancer sold them out 
because he's like, this is a worthy sacrifice for us to be making for the good of humanity. Oh, also, he specifically sells them out because he and Charlize are super lonely and he's he's trying to commit suicide by science. He's right. like, if they find out what makes us immortal, they can get us a way out of it. And you and I, who are essentially of the four of us alone because the other two are lovers, we can finally die. So he like, the the bad immortal justifies it as he's doing something nice for them sort of or he's he's at least he wants to commit suicide and cannot he has a complicated uh array of reasons why he is not a a monster they're you know so they're all being tortured medically kiki lane shows up again helps them fight their way out of it they decide that they're going to uh exile the one who betrayed them for a hundred years instead of killing him I guess they can't, they, can't, they can't kill him. Yeah, in, instead of throwing him in a coffin and throwing him to the bottom of the ocean, which is what they did to... What's her? What's the other character's name? Her name, Quinn. Her name Quinn. is Quinn, and they, the immortals, did not do it to them. Witch hunters did it right, to her. Right, exactly. So um. she's stuck in the bottom of the ocean, drowning and drowning. And anyway, obviously, as soon as you see that scene, you're like, oh, that's what the sequel is about. There is a sequel tag <laughs> with her in it. And... That's the movie. Lots of axe fighting. Lots of fighting overall. And I think like the movie ends where I think there's like a hint of ambiguity as to whether or not uh, Andy, Charlize Theron's character, like might get her immortality back now that the uh, Nile, the new member of the gang has like re-inspired her that what they have done has had good ramifications for the earth. Uh, and humanity as discovered by, uh, I don't even know his character's name, but Chiwetel oh, Ejiofor. We're just going to call him Chiwetel Ejiofor because first of all, that's yeah. fun to say. He um, has like the, the psycho map on his wall of yeah. all the photos that he's seen them in in history. Yeah, and newspaper clippings and red marker. I recently watched the the TV series Dispatches from Elsewhere, which has Andre 3000 in it, who also has a map of like trying to figure out this like master scheme um, in an incredibly nice house. Because I feel like often those like uh, murder maps or like crazy person maps are in like dank basements yeah. or a serial killer or like a cop's office. But I was like, this is a very plush Airbnb. I could not <laughs> afford <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I think that's the, I think that's the plot yeah. of the movie, though. But I yeah, guess what, I... what Regina was getting at is that Niall convinces Chiwetel Ejiofor that, like, sure, these people could potentially cure cancer, but look at the ripple effects of all the people who they saved as wandering do-gooders. And there's mm-hmm. a slight implication that there's, like, maybe God or fate has directed them to those people because it's like they saved this child in Rwanda and he grew up and became this incredible... Yeah, uh, he invented a longer-lasting light bulb or whatever. Exactly. So, yeah. it- and also, Chiwetel Ejiofor is, like, increasingly distressed at the brutality with which evil science man's team is treating those people. He's like, I right. thought you were just going to get the samples and let them go. And uh, evil science man is like, I will cut them up into pieces as many times as I please. Yes. So one of my first notes for this movie is I like, I get the impression that Robin and I liked it more than Bob and we'll find out. But I think this movie goes into loving detail about who the old guard is, why they are who they are, how their mythology works. Like, if you think being immortal is fun, this movie will tell you many ways in which it is brutal and awful. Right. But I think that the villains in this movie are cartoonishly thin. They're so one-dimensional. It's just sort of like he his and like I'm not necessarily saying that's like terrible, but like science guy 
I think the indication you're going to get immediately that they didn't spend a lot of time thinking about this character is his like costume. In every scene, he is wearing a blazer and a hoodie, but it's not a hoodie. It's just like a hood stitched in it and a button down shirt. And I'm like, if you're trying to make him be like a a tech bro, I don't think they wear button downs with hoodies, A. And B, like that suit does not fit him. And if he's a rich, like mean asshole, I feel like they didn't spend- Yeah, he's frumpy. Partially, this is because it is the actor who played Dudley Dursley. And I'm having trouble accepting that that person is a grown up. Uh, Mm. I feel like they were trying to make it seem like this is a child pretending to be a grown up. I think that's fair. But I also think the the hoodie underneath the blazer thing is a specific like um, Silicon Valley tell. And also like his main motivation is that he wants to be rich. And if he cares that much about money, he cares about how he dresses. So I did not. And I just I just felt like like the laziness with which his costumes appeared over and over. I, I just feel like he has almost no motivation for what he's doing or he's just like. He's cartoonishly bad in a I way mean, that I'm like, th- yeah. it's weird that the immortal murder, like murder squad felt more human to me than that. Yeah. Guy. I, <laughs> that listen, I'm in full agreement with you that they're the villains are cartoonish and thin. I do think that Silicon Valley guys do dress like that. And Silicon Valley guys are obsessed with money. And the thing I think he's really obsessed with is legacy, right? He wants to be right. the guy who cured cancer. That I think is mm-hmm. his real motivation. Yeah, he's just a, he's just a he, tasteless. That's his immortality. Yeah, he's just a, a tasteless, fame-wanting, money-grabbing asshole. He's right. essentially Martin Shkreli crossed with Mark Zuckerberg. Wow, well, like, I haven't thought about that other guy in a long time. The, the, the two most unlikable people on earth uh, <laughs> yeah. combined into one person. I also thought Dudley Dursley was really good at playing this cartoon. Like, he was way mm-hmm. better than Jesse Eisenberg was playing Lex Luthor, characterized exactly the same way in right. Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. Yeah, he was very punchable. Like, yeah. you really wanted to give him a slap. Real hard. Yeah. But the other thing, like, I agree. Like, I, I, it's not that I thought that the actor was bad. I just feel like they spent so much time on creating backstories for other people. Or not even just that I needed a backstory for him. But I just felt like, in aggregate, like, why, like, that, that he didn't really make sense. Or, like, the villainy side of the story didn't make a lot of sense. Like, for example, Chiwetel Ejiofor keeps saying, like, stop being mean to these immortals. And Dudley Dursley has, like, a, a murder squad of his own. He just has, like, a SWAT team. Why doesn't he just kill Chiwetel Ejiofor? Like, he could just shoot that guy. Yeah. Plot No reasons. problem. But there's no reason for, like, their relationship doesn't make any sense. No. And also, like, the lady scientist, like, she's very thinly like, I want to do science. And I felt like it was interesting. This movie reminded me of a thing that I thought a lot about back when I first watched Alias, which was a long time ago. I felt like they took care to not show her getting killed in a way that like everyone else got like brutally murdered. And it felt a bit like, but we don't want, uh, like, we didn't want to kill a lady on screen. Like, we'll kill the immortal ladies many times, but not that person. And I was like, "Eh." You're getting at something that I just, as like an overall problem I had with this movie. This is a very aughts badass chick <laughs> strong sure. female character right this this feels dated in a way to me probably because i assume that's when the comic book happened uh, maybe yeah i don't know and there is just stuff in it that i'm like i thought we were past this and then i'm like oh i guess it's because this is older source material so like for example her mm-hmm. the character's name is andromica something something but she goes by andy my least favorite thing 
There's a lot of things I hate more than this. But for right now, I'm going to say my least favorite thing in the world is this whole trope. I think we've talked about it on the podcast before because Regina made fun of me for having what was originally a man's name. But I hate when you give a girl a boy's name in order to make her cool. I hate it. <laughs> so <laughs> That's very interesting because I think of Andy in that context as a very lady name because of Andy McDowell. <laughs> <laughs> well, so for I me, like captions on it's spelled A and D Y, and Annie McDowell has her very feminine I E. Oh, that's that's very <laughs> interesting. I guess that's because I know several Andrews, none of whom go by Andy. That right. in my mind, Andy is a nickname for a girl. Okay, so it didn't ping that. Like I, I don't think I'm right. I'm just saying my experience of the world is it, right. it sounds to me feminine. Robin and then, Hitchcock. You know, <laughs> secondly, it's like there's four of them. Only one's a girl, right? Obviously, the second one they add is a girl, but just this. That, to me, this very, like, Andy is special. She's a special girl. Uh, as opposed to, you know, women are cool on their own. <laughs> that See, that kind of thing was a problem for me. And then going back to the, the female scientist, it's sort of the, like, well, women are evil, too. Aren't we feminist? And I it just, I don't know. It's very, it's, it's, this is Greg Rucka. You read his whole Wonder Woman run, right, Regina? I did in real time. So I can't right. speak to it with my, like, 2020 perception but at the time like i really enjoyed and respected it maybe i'm being unfair to him i i mean he he was the he wrote the original material but he also wrote the screenplay so like even if the source material is dated like he wrote this recently he could have updated Um, himself it's interesting because i just read an interview with the director who specifically like liked this movie or was drawn to it because she felt like the women in it could be badass without like an explanation but also be vulnerable and i think they did a good job actually of both andy and i think uh, niall as is a fantastic example of a badass but vulnerable character and but the, the other thing i was gonna say though is andy's not the only one because the first time you see andy like murdering a bunch of people is with who i also assume was her lover quinn and it was like it was just the two of them for a long time so although there's only one andy now in a posse of like three other dudes it is at least grounded in there having been two women to start the whole immortality right. gig yeah i i thought that this was actually very interestingly written I thought it was well thought out and I thought the whole thing about her being um, sort of jaded with immortality and Mm -hmm. their efforts. um, I've never seen something that really explored the idea of like just because they live a long time doesn't mean that they have a generational perspective on what they're doing. Um, Like they are still people who live in real time, however long that real time may be. So I thought that was interesting thing to explore uh and i thought it did a very good job of convincingly like like sinking charlie's theron down to jadedness and then bringing her back from it uh and i thought that the nile character was uh also helped with that and i thought it was interesting that you know she was a marine and she was obviously extremely well trained and super tough and destined to be one of these immortal warriors but she also had serious reservations about killing anyone. Like she, right. she kills the first person she ever kills at the very beginning, and she's like, "Yeah, I don't want to do that ever again." Right. I genuinely thought that was very interesting kind of character writing. For me, though, this movie falls down on the editing alone. 
did it bump into anyone else that like it was just weirdly paced and edited? Hmm. I found it very hard to get immersed in it because I kept thinking about like, well, why is this like this now? Like, why are they doing like something about it seemed inconsistent in the way that it was made and the way that it was edited together. I was immersed in it. Honestly, this was one of those things where I was like, I need to be in the right mood to watch it. And then I Mm -hmm. wasn't getting into the right mood and I wanted to get this episode recorded. So I just watched it anyway. (laughs) Same. Me too. And I got sucked in. So I didn't experience what you were saying, Bob, but some the thing that I kept coming back to, this kind of feels like it should be a TV show. Yes. Mm. I feel like we have said this a lot in the podcast where there are things where I'm like, this should be a serialized HBO series. Yes. Where, yeah, like, it feels like you could have gotten more of the villain, more mm-hmm. of people's backstories. It and like, a li- it's it- a comic book, so that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. It is a little piloty. But yeah, like, so uh, some of it was just tonal stuff. I was like, okay, the tone has just changed from shot to shot a little bit weirdly. Um, but there were some things that were just logistical things. Like at one point, Charlize Theron goes to extract Niall from her marine base. And she just shows up like you don't see her approach or arrive right. or anything. She's just suddenly there. And I understand that like that you want it to be a surprise. Uh, but then they also don't show how she gets out. Like, how does she get an unconscious Marine into a Humvee and then drive that Humvee away? Like, it carries her over her shoulders. But, like, it's crawling with Marine. Like, yeah, it's a no, military base it. in Afghanistan. Like, you don't get to see any of the logistics. So it, whenever that something like that would happen, I'd be like, but wait, how? did What? She's just driving away now. I did think the fights, though, were very well edited. Oh, I... Th- I think the fights were incredibly well directed. Yeah. I thought the, uh, the yes, direction yes. maybe with it was great. It, it's like giving me like John Wick one feelings. We uh, sent each other the Hollywood Reporter article about like Charlize Theron, a unique action star. And they were like, well, she's mm-hmm. a unique as a woman. Uh, she's basically, they were like, she's basically Keanu Reeves. It was like the most validating thing in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> so about the her not leaving the Marine base, like at the time I was fine with it because I was like, I love when movies are just like, this just happened. Let's Let's get to what we actually want to see sometimes. But I think because a big part of the backstory and a big part of the fear of the old guard is that although they are immortal, they are not invincible and that humans in vast numbers and with skills can do terrible things to them. I feel like I want to I want to talk about the I feel like it's worth explaining the backstory bit. So Andy meets Quinn, who had almost given up because like she kept dying and didn't know what was happening to her and was like tired of being alone. And then when the two of them, they had both been alone. So it was the first time they'd found anyone like each other. And then it was like they had all this time together and they did, you know, they battled and did good things. And then you get to see Charlie's. Like, as Xena, basically. Yeah, and they're, like, riding horses and making fuck eyes at each other, and it is very cool, and it's very very short. I I also liked it had the the Highlander detail where it's like, uh, she still has an American accent a thousand years ago. (laughs) That's because I I stand by they were speaking in a different language, and it's fine. (laughs) But so then they're in England, and it's during, like, the witch hunt era, and so the two of them are hung because they're suspected to be witches, but then they come back, and everyone sees them come back to life. So people are like, those ladies are definitely witches. So then they continually try to find ways to kill them. And the the two of them can't escape because it's like a whole town against them and they're chained up and they're in a prison cell and Quinn is kind of like, I've never been burned to death. And they're like, well, this is going to suck. 
but like at least we're together through this like we'll always be together and then the people come in and they take quinn out but they leave charlie's and they're like the problem is the two of you together are like a coven you're too powerful so we're gonna kill you separately and to kill quinn they put her in an iron uh maiden i guess like it's it's full of spikes and it is a suit of iron that they put her in and then they drop her in the sea And so she constantly is dying at the bottom of the ocean, waking up and then dying again for an indefinite period of time. 500 years. So, And you see Charlize like screaming and freaking out. And then it is alluded to that she spent decades trying to find her at the bottom of the ocean. But again, she's immortal. She's not invincible. So it's not like she can just like walk at the bottom of the ocean like those dudes in Pirates of the Caribbean. And she like is not able to find her and is devastated. And so she is very much like, I will do everything to like keep my people safe and like is a you know there are rules that they have to protect them from like crowds of people so the going to the marine base where it's a lot of well-armed disciplined military people and just being like i extracted this soldier that they had flagged as a possible science experiment and no one was the wiser is a little bit of a glitch but i'm still willing to accept it i have a question quinn was around when the other immortal died right we don't know much about it, know. but when you see there's a black man who has his guts coming out and he's telling Andy, he's like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go. Quinn and her are above him. So, so I was there. Okay. Yeah. So were they all fucking? Let's just agree. I mean, they were all fucking. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was a deleted scene. Also, I did have the moment where it was like ancient times. It wasn't the American accent that bothered me. I was like, their teeth are so beautiful. Oh, But gosh. they are immortal, They're so immortal. maybe they like vampire heel to their best selves. Yeah. One thing I will say, the four at the beginning are Charlize, the Belgian dude who sells them out, and then there's this couple. I can't remember their names, but- Nikki and Luca? Mm-hmm. That sounds right. Yeah, yeah, they're really sweet. I really like them. Uh, they're excellent. Yeah, they're <laughs> yeah. so good. We need to talk love, about them at length. And they're they're like we met in the Crusades. We killed each other. And they're like yeah. so <laughs> goo. And at yeah. times I was like, they're laying this on a little thick. But also I love it. <laughs> yeah. See, so I didn't think they were laying it on thick. I thought it was fucking great. I mean, first of all, everyone in the old guard is hot. Like hot. Yeah, but they're hot in like non-action star ways though. Like they're not traditional action star, like big bulky muscle people. Right. Like they're just super good looking. They're yeah. they're crazy hot. Also, I think it is an interesting directing and casting choice that they are uh, international actors. Like mm-hmm. the one actor is Belgian, the other is Dutch Tunisian, I believe, mm-hmm. and then the other one is is Italian. So there's a scene where the the couple gets taken. They're the they're the people who get captured and they are like tied up and there's a bunch of like SWAT dudes around them being like shut the fuck up don't keep talking and he's like I need to make sure he's okay I need to make sure he's okay and they're sort of like oh I love each other and the guy's like are you what is he your boyfriend and then mad props to this guy because that speech on paper is very difficult to deliver as an actor That's what but saying, he's with them laying it on thick and it works it yeah. works like and I think it works down to the directing and down to like that guy's performance mm-hmm. of the way that he delivers like he's not my fucking boyfriend like you have no idea the depth of love I have for this person and like the superiority of like your life is like an insect to me uh versus like what I've been through and like you're so small minded and terrible and then they have like a very hot kiss and then it cuts to the next time they open the truck like all those dudes are just dead and they're still tied up but they're just sort of like yeah we murdered them <laughs> and it is i think it's one of the best scenes in the movie i think that speech yeah. is great and i feel like it's a way that like superhero movies have sort of like alluded to like oh there might be a gay person or star trek is like there oh look this this gay person has a picture of their person um <laughs> but this uh this movie was like those dudes 
fuck and they love each other so much and if you have any problem with it they will kill you in the back of that van and it is right. great <laughs> well said it didn't feel performative to me like it was a big performance but it just felt like just, just a, a fabric a fabric of reality yeah. of the yeah. movie and i i really liked that and i feel like what you were saying bob the editing thing didn't always jar with me but i think like a lot of the directing stuff like took me out of it because i was so delighted by it yeah like mm. there were a number of moments that i just thought were the directing left the script behind and took it to like a completely different level so for example like i think one of my favorite moments of the entire movie is after andy has taken niall and they're on this like drug plane and niall is trying to like figure out if andy's good or bad or like what the fuck I is love happening this scene. it's love so good and scene. she you see niall piecing together that she's that she's gonna need to escape but actually the thing that i loved it's it, not the big fight which we can also talk about but the thing that i love is when they get on the plane andy's like put this on like take your fucking uniform off like that's too conspicuous it reminded me not to again reference star trek but the episode where like <laughs> data refuses to take off his uniform because it's like who he, who is. he is and rather than she doesn't say anything about it or about like why it is meaningful to her that she has to take it off and put these other clothes on all you see is a shot of her like putting her uniform under a bench and it is perfectly folded and like just like her hands and like the loving motion of just sort of like she knows what she's putting away by doing this and she's doing it with all the like silent care that like doesn't need a bunch of like weepy lines about it and again like that's like 100% down I think to the directing mm -hmm. and I just felt like that like in a movie where like a lot of people get their heads chopped off with an axe like <laughs> this was one of the most like impactful things uh mm -hmm. in it and then not long after, there's this fucking killer fight between the two of them in an airplane. And Charlie it's, Zenith. It's very cool. Oh, for sure. I do have an, another possible Charlie Zenith, which is the second axe fight. The moment oh, with when the she, fire axe? When she grabs the fire axe and she yeah. cut, she grabs it and there's a moment where it like it's just like a really quick shot of her just like considering it and sort of thinking yep. this'll do. So I was gonna say, yeah, that fight in the plane, what really sold it for me was Charlize's crazy-eyed, I want you to fight me face. Like, mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to kicking your ass face. Uh, she does that so well. Uh, and I have, don't think I've ever seen anyone else really portray that so well without being like insane right um she's just like i'm in control and i'm looking forward to this you also i think through that fight see her opinion of niall be formed she's sort of like this is an annoying piece of baggage that i have to deal with and i don't mm -hmm. like it and then she's never not confident that she's going to win the fight, mm -hmm. but she's sort of like, you see her learn, like, respect, like, how much fight Niall puts into it. And right. that, like, Charlize basically has to, like, destroy her before she'll stop. And I, again, like, in the interview with the director, she talked a lot about being very careful to not film it as a, like, a sexy cat fight, that there were mm -hmm. ladies fighting. And I think that she definitely successfully does that. And I think the, the thing where, like, Niall... You see her put together how she's going to incapacitate Charlie's, like tie her up and uh, threaten the pilot to get off of this plane mm -hmm. is very clever. And I also think the way that Charlie's gets out of it is hilarious and good. And yes. that, that is another Charlie's thing where she's just sort of like, girl, you tried. But anyway, in, <laughs> in her face acting. And it is amazing. Right. Um, I, we've talked a lot about how good the director is. Gina Prince Bythewood, who I really want her name to be pronounced prince by the wood because that makes her sound like a high fantasy character uh, yeah. 
But obviously a big part of the like press around this movie is that she's the first black woman to direct a comic book movie, which is Correct. one of those things oh. where when you hear it, you're like, that can't be true. And then when you think about it, you're like, oh, of course that's true. Right. Well, yeah. was it's it? horrible. But congratulations to her. Like, and she did such a great <laughs> job. Like, I really do think the directing is one of the strongest things in this movie. A hundred percent. I yeah. think so, too. Um, is Patty Jenkins the first woman to direct a superhero movie? I don't know. Maybe. Certainly a certainly of that magnitude again i keep i read a few articles but she was saying that like patty jenkins having done a wonderful job like kicked the door open a little bit for her to be able to do this one of the jenkins of course the director of monster yes right back to our girl Uh, charlie's (laughs) i hope that uh patty jenkins and what's her name again gina prince by the wood gina i was just thinking prince by the wood and i was like that is not correct (laughs) i just hope that they had tea and were like charlie's huh she's a fucking wonder (laughs) But again, the, the one other thing I was going to say about like quiet like director moments, the two that I had was one was folding the uniform. And this is also the the actress who plays um, Niall. But when she like survives and she goes into the barracks and all of her friends are like silent and weird around her because she might be a ghost or whatever. Uh, she like grabs her iPod and then she goes to like listen to music to calm down. And again, like, I just felt like the the performance in that was a thing that's like, you have seen that in other places, but this felt like really real. And I loved the way the music is a diegetic music where it becomes like you're hearing what the character is hearing. And I think overall, like the soundtrack of this movie is bold. Like there's a lot of like intense singing that's like, this is lining up with the murdering they're doing. But you know what? It fucking worked for me. I really liked the like weird ass, like it had a very like Xena warrior princess, like feel to me. Not that that sound was in that, but anyway. There's definitely like a step. Oh, the vocals have kicked in in this music. That means there's about to be some killing. Right? Right. So my one controversial thing that I do want to say is that there were Mm -hmm. parts of this movie where I felt like Charlize was phoning it in. Yeah. And I, again, I don't know if that's uh, a Charlize thing or if that's because of the editing. I think it was maybe Mm. odd choices were made for like which snippets to use. And like, there's also like odd things like where like there's some lines of dialogue that are just not good like would ordinarily be cut out of a movie yes like when the villain gets killed she says play dead motherfucker and you're like it's not a very good line yeah certainly not a very good like triumph line it's a Um, callback but it's a weak callback it 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 was unnecessary yeah and i wonder i don't know i especially because kiki lane falling out of the building is so cool right right like It's really a letdown. We didn't need Charlize to have her moment there. Yeah. Right? It it felt tacked on. And I wonder if it's... My theory about the editing thing is that I think it's a Netflix issue. Because this movie Mm. was made for Netflix. I was going to ask. The the weirdest thing about pandemic times is genuinely not knowing what was supposed to be an air quotes real movie. (laughs) Right. And I think because there's fewer limitations for how movies are distributed on Netflix, I think there's like a step that gets missed where things get like tightened up for distribution purposes or like time slot purposes. Because I've noticed with a few other Netflix things where it's like, I mean, the economy of Netflix is fascinating in its own regard. And just total nonsense. Right. Um, (laughs) But it's, I think there's, there's something that comes through in the creative aspect of that. Like it trickles down to that. And I think there there are less pressure to like make things tight that makes sense to me yeah i I have no verification one of the times i felt it the most was they try to set up that Charlize has a somewhat special relationship with the belgian guy partially just the like booker like 
we aren't in love. <laughs> These two guys are in love right. and we're the third wheels, okay? Right. And so they kind of try to set it up like they have this like very teasy friendship and, you know, Charlize is playing a dep- like a suicidally depressed character. And it's possible that I am interpreting it as her being disinterested in acting when she is trying to portray someone who is disinterested in living. Yeah. But all so of I, the scenes where she's supposed to have this little moment of levity, I was like, this this feels like you're not really trying. I, I would agree that it, it's not my, like, favorite Charlize performance. Like, yeah. I think, like, the action fights are great. but And, like, I think she's very good at, like, being vulnerable in it or, like, looking devastated. And I think the problem is, for me, it was twofold. I think part of it is that what has happened to her character in terms of an emotional journey has happened previously. So yes. it's like whatever, like, I thought, like, the, the stuff with Quinn that was supposed to be, like, motivating, it was like, well, she only gets, like, a flashback. But, like, we meet her and she's already taken a year off. Like, they all took a year-long break from each other and they weren't doing any jobs together because she needed some time. And she comes in and she's like, I'm dragging my heels, I'm dragging my heels. And I think that she, like, wasn't in the script given any variety. Like, for me, I can understand why she is frustrated that there's a new immortal person and, like, why now? But I would, I didn't buy how mean she was to Niall to begin with mm-hmm. when just a simple level of, like, I'm just being nice to you. I'm here to help. And, you know, and I get it's like, you know, she's supposed to be, like, she's so grizzled. She's so burned out. She can't even do that. And, like, the movie is supposed to be, like, her journey of, like, finding that again. But I feel like the story is not hers, essentially. Like, the journey that we're paying attention to is Niall's journey from bewilderment to acceptance of what has befallen her. So I feel like in some ways, like, Charlize is a background character of her own movie. And I almost feel like Charlize was miscast as much as I hate saying that because... (laughs) Take it back. What if, like, Zoe Bell played that character? And Why do I know Zoe Bell? She's the stunt she, woman. She's the, okay. like, the most famous stunt woman. And, or uh, the chicken haywire. Some, like, other person yeah. who can fight her way through a movie. It's a very Gina Carano movie. Right, exactly. Somebody whose job can be to be this badass fighting chick, but who doesn't have the like star power of Charlize such that we can focus on Niall who is the main character maybe it's because we're obsessed with Charlize Theron like I felt myself very drawn into Charlize and you're right she's not the main character this isn't her story it's I I think think it's I think it is both of them and I think the the character is complex and interesting and Charlize portrays that well i think and i will say that for me some of her moments of levity with booker did work a couple of like them did, for sure i felt like the can you identify this piece of um really baklava was like really <laughs> yeah. endearing yeah and i think that I, the pessimist in me is like here's the thing if Charlize wasn't in this movie a superhero movie about a black marine lady would not get made um so i feel like they needed the star power of Charlize and like her right. production company to make this happen oh, and yeah. i do i think the problem with like casting someone like gina carano in this is like i think being able to see the humanity behind it is necessary for niall to have her journey so if it was someone who was exclusively like an amazing fighter but didn't have any woundedness to her um and i will say like i feel like the it might be a goofy scene, but I, I really liked it and I thought it was good. Was Charlize is realizing that her wounds aren't healing, but she doesn't want to tell anyone. Oh, I love but this. But she scene. goes to a pharmacy mm. and is like, what the fuck is a Band-Aid? I don't know what a <laughs> Band-Aid is. And that is very funny. And then, and and the, the interplay that she has with the woman who's working behind the counter, where again, without saying anything, the woman who's working behind the counter is like, this is a woman in trouble. 
And Charlize is like, don't look at me, don't look at me, I'm squirrely. And then they have a moment where the woman behind the counter is like, do you need help? And she like stitches up or like tapes up her wound. And Charlize is like, why aren't you asking me about this? And the lady's like, you know, it's not it's my, not business. my business. I'm just, I'm just here to help you. And at some point, like you'll help somebody. And that is like the thesis of the movie. And this I think what that we Charlize want of is every drugstore clerk. It's not my yeah, business, I'm also like, I'll help. <laughs> and also that they have amazing eye makeup and that when they don't man the store, nothing gets stolen. <laughs> like she just left and was like, eh, it's late. It's France. It's France. Yeah. Um, yeah. That is not, but our, I thought that's that, not our understanding of France, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like a French person being nice to a stranger. Has pop culture <laughs> lied to me? Yes. yes. No, I've been to France twice and everybody's nice. But I, I thought that you need someone like Charlize in that type of scene where she does a lot of silent face acting. Mm-hmm. No, you are you are right. I think maybe I want a middle ground. I don't think it was... Like, I thought that the fight scenes were amazing. I liked the movie. I think that Charlize's performance in something like Atomic Blonde, which is a movie with flaws, but I think, like, she more, like, took that role and, like, chewed yes. through it. And this, I think it was more tightly held in. It wasn't, a, like, a free-for-all, except right. for in the fights. Um, and I do think the movie did something that I thought was incredibly clever, where these are immortals who cannot die. And I found myself constantly afraid that they were going to die. Because introducing the element of you don't know when it's really going to happen is a way to make the fights meaningful. Mm -hmm. And every time one of them like took a second before they like grossly re-knit their blown out skull, I was like, oh God, oh God. Like when I thought, I thought Nikki was going to die because I was like, they're going to kill one of the gay characters. Right. And they did not. Yeah. Um. I thought that was great, though. Yeah, it was very well-reasoned. Uh, yes, good job. Greg Rucka, kudos to you for figuring out how to make immortal characters interesting. Is that they're, It's like Russian roulette. They're immortal until they're not. Right, yeah. Um, I will say the, the, the whole deal where Charlize realizes that she wants to live because she realizes that she can die. Like, it reminded me of that one episode of Buffy where she becomes invisible. Do you remember that? Of course. Yeah, and how, like, that's what makes her want to live again is realizing that she can die. And I'm kind of like, I thought this was dumb when Buffy did it 15 years ago, and I definitely think (laughs) it's dumb now. (laughs) Oh, I 100% didn't interpret it that way. Oh, okay. What did you think it was? So I thought that... Go ahead. I I thought in the battle... Like the final battle, she's like, I can die, but I'm still doing this. I thought that was her being like, being a Klingon and being like, I'm going to die in, in glorious battle. <laughs> or that she's like, I want to go out as I've lived. Yeah. And then at the end is that when she is shown the murder or the the, the spooky wall of all the good that they've done. <laughs> I think what she says is she's like, in talking to Niall and Niall's hesitation to kill anyone and the fact that the reason that she didn't want to help them originally was not because she just wanted to be selfish and be with her family is that she didn't want to murder Right. Is that Charlize was like, you reminded me that each individual person is important and also that the work I'm doing does have an impact. It lightened the feeling that there was like not just misery in the world. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I didn't think it was that be- I didn't think it was because she was going to die. And also maybe this is me just being yeah. resistant to believing that she's going to die. But when she talks to Booker and Booker's like, I'm not going to see you ever again. And she's like, have a little faith. I assume she's getting her immortality back okay, somehow. That, well, uh, like Spider-Man style. You have to want it to keep it. Isn't that a whole thing? I, I was hoping it was going to be in the sequel. They're going to meet up with the Highlander and he's going to teach her that if you cut another immortal's head off you could get your power back. <laughs> so in terms of the sequel, so the end of the movie there's a tag where Quinn shows up in Booker's place and is like, hey buddy, I look fucking hot for having been in the ocean for 500 years. And can <laughs> I just 
say for the record, I would absolutely love for there to be a movie where the two good people, where a bad thing happens to one, and then that person turns into the supervillain, that rather than in turning into the supervillain, like, I want Quinn to show up and be like, Charlize, it's not your fault. I yes. want her to, like, hug them like they're in Goodwill Hunting and be like, it's not your fault. It was the witch hunters. It wasn't you. I yep. see that. You see that. We both suffered in different ways. Let's go get a drink and then, like, ride some horses again. Like, yeah. why can't why can't anyone who has something bad happen to them not just then blame the Become person that is... Yeah, yeah. I that's I what I want. Agree. I want there to be a sequel because I want more of this, but with Quinn. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Quinn seems awesome. <laughs> I also like the what happens to Quinn is like, it's Horrifying. the kind of like thought experiment that is like someone who likes fantasy novels and superhero things. Like, it is so gruesome and you can't stop thinking about like, what would that be? And like, that is how, like, if you wanted to get rid of a, an immortal person who can't die like that is That's a, a, good way a way that it. would work yeah right. and also it is the one place on earth that another immortal like literally couldn't find right. them right. because the the bottom of the ocean is still an unmapped chart so even today quite, i don't quite know why they didn't put them both in coffins that was also unclear to me again plot reasons <laughs> one thing that didn't work for me but maybe it was meant not to is so before you know that booker the belgian guy has sold them out before booker, he does his here's why it's so hard to be a mortal speech and mm -hmm. so it's like we've just heard about quinn drowning over and over for 500 years the most yeah. horrifying thing you can think of and then booker is like so my son got cancer and died and he was mad at me that i'm not dying and i'm like Buddy, I don't care. <laughs> so for me, that wasn't about why it's hard to be immortal. That was like that's part of it, but for me, that was more why you can't tell people that's that you're why immortal. you leave your family. Yeah, so right. I, that's what I, I was like. I actually thought that was really good. I thought this movie had really good like immortal reasoning, if you want to call it that. Sure. Where, yeah. And I thought his explanation was you can't die, and if people know that, like everyone gets sick and dies eventually, right? And so. And there, there, like it's almost like there's the five stages of grief or whatever, and the last thing is upset acceptance, and you rob them of that uh, acceptance mm. if they see you unable to die. They want they like they never stop bargaining and never stop being angry. So you kind of you kind of take away that peace from them, and they obviously resent you for it. So I th I actually thought that was really clever. Um, the one thing I did bump into in the immortal reasoning of this is it's much like Highlander. When uh, the Highlander was discovered to be immortal, his clans people shun him for being, you know, in league with Lucifer or whatever with their superstitions. And the same thing happens in this, like obviously it happens to Charlize and Quinn, like in the olden times. But then when it happens again in the modern time, like the marine people, uh, like the marine people, the marines. <laughs> <laughs> um when they're like all like quiet and like super like wary of niall having survived however freak a occurrence it may have been i don't in that situation i would only have been like surprised and glad like well yeah colin often asks me like how would you respond to this unbelievable thing happening and my response is always well i would think that i saw something wrong right, right like, i would doubt here. my own yeah. eye and there i would for sure be like i was terrified and i thought she was gonna die and clearly i was wrong you right know same I mean? here yeah yeah, so I was just like, uh, that rubs me the wrong way when it's like that. And like, the movie Final Destination has the same problem where like, yeah. 
the guy predicts that the plane's going to explode, so he gets his friends off the plane, and his friends were like, oh, you're such a freak for saving our lives. Yes. Like, it Like, it just it always seems stupid to me. And it's like, all the movie had to do was... Um, put some kind of pre-established superstition in there like they could have been like oh in these parts people talk about when you die you get possessed by the devil or something like that and then when she dies and comes back you would you would understand why they were wary of but it it didn't do that i think another way to solve that would be when she is in the the medical tent and she has two friends coming to to get her and to see her and the one friend is like i saw her die and is upset and is like i don't know what's going on and the other friend is like Aren't you glad she's not dead? Like, right. and and you have, I think, both reactions with mm-hmm. both of which I think are realistic. And I think you can just cut the scene where she goes into the barracks tent and everyone like Forrest Gumps her and like yeah. won't let her sit there. I know that the listening to music scene is it, but I'm like, just cut that. Just have her go out with her friends, and then the next thing you can do is have the guy walk up and be like, "Hey, by the way, you're being redeployed to Germany so that we can study you." My here's my my note. The thing that like I was like, I don't think this is right. It's cool that people live forever. And all that stuff. And they're evil scientists that just have SWAT teams because whatever. They give her back her dog tags. And they're like, we took these off you when you thought you wouldn't need them. And I was like, isn't the point of dog tags to stay on a dead soldier? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, come on now. (laughs) Because I thought a lot of the military stuff. I am not a military person. I don't know anything about it. But I thought the scene that they included of Niall, like, actually taking part in an action and, like, interacting with people. Mm -hmm. And, like, the way that she moved with her team. I was like, that seems like they knew something. Yeah. The dog tag on the corpse. Can we talk about the action scenes? Because they are... So good. Really good. Yeah. What I thought was really excellent about them is, like you're saying, like, they really seemed like they knew what they were doing. Like, both that scene and when the immortals are, like, moving through a scene and, like, doing stuff tactically, like, you really feel like they are experts. Like, they Mm -hmm. know what they're doing and they move as a team and they support each other. uh, And it's very very clearly well done and like you can tell what they're doing and why they do certain things it very it very much has john wick one vibes about it and i was when when you see them at the beginning and they're like flying into their drop zone with their helicopter and then you see them they all have like medieval weapons like on their hips and on their back stuff and i was like that looks kind of like i know what they're establishing because they're old timey warriors but it just seemed kind of silly until you saw them use them and you're like oh now it makes sense and the thing that i really liked about it is they don't just use them they are Mm. you like instead of having like a two-handed sword battle it's like this is my sword hand and this is my gun hand and i will use both as the need arises but it's just like in the in the first john wick like we have said before that like the gunfights in that movie feel like sword fights like they're so balletic and and interestingly choreographed and i think the choreography in this as well the way it incorporates axe and gun and like the way they use each is uh is super good i and i will say like i think my charlie zenith is different than you guys i loved the airplane fight but i think my favorite fight was in the hallway like the last Mm -hmm. one-on-one battle that she has Mm -hmm. and this is when she's fighting and she she believes that you know she could die and it's a knife fight and we and i just feel like you don't see a ton of good knife fights like we recently recently rewatched rogue nation which is an amazing film and that has a super good knife fight in it but this knife fight was i will say it even better um (laughs) Um, And I just like just the look on her face, I thought was really good. And another thing about like the battle choreography, when all of them are fighting, when they all know that Charlize could die, and you see everyone else on the team look at each other and be like, were her 
shield now. Like right. they like oh, they yeah. would like jump in front of bullets and they without saying anything like the you can feel the shift in their tactics. Mm-hmm. And again, like because I think it doesn't suffer from like too many jump cuts where it's like you see where the enemy is, you see where the person is and you see them move in frame. Uh, during the fight so yeah the fight scenes were very good i will say like this is not the kind of action movie that's like a romp like it's not like rogue nation where like this is super fun like it is Mm. i think more contemplative it It has a lot of immortal logic and yeah it does so let's do some of our segments okay (laughs) so who is keanu oh shit i really don't know i yeah neither do i i because i love i do the the cast is really good and yeah i I I mean i don't really i think my answer is luca i think that of the main cast luca was the one who i was the least interested in and i would like to watch keanu make out with hot jafar so for, <laughs> no um, luca, luca luca's hot jafar nikki is the oh, italian guy then nikki fuck yeah. that guy well, Lu- luca although luca sounds, sounds like, like an, an italian, italian name. name that's yeah. literally all that's all i'm going off of <laughs> whichever the the italian dude you're gone you're keanu now sorry you were great but I was thinking that he would play the drugstore clerk, but I think that needs to be a woman for that scene to work I think so too. properly. I would like him to have like a small, small bit part, but I there aren't really very many. He could be like a soldier <laughs> or a, a marine who gives her marching orders or whatever. Right. He's just in the background. Sorry, guys. I have to correct us. Luca is the actor's name who plays Nikki and the character's name that is his boyfriend is Joe. So we've been wrong the entire time. <laughs> okay, hang on. <laughs> so, so Joe is Marwan Kenzari. So Joe and Nikki. All right. So you want to you wanna get rid of Nikki and replace it with Keanu Why? so that he receives the speech from Hachafar about how he's the love of his life. One thousand percent. Okay, so essentially coming from us that speech at this point. All right, you guys are you guys are all wrong. I mean, those are adorable choices, but the obvious answer is the guy who runs Merrick Pharmaceuticals. Like, I just want to see evil Keanu. Yeah, get rid of Dudley. He fucking sucks. I I hate that dude. Okay, I thought he was really good. He's pretty good. Um, I can really only see him as like snot nosed child. Yeah, and he's just—he's always gonna be that kind of villain because he just looks like he deserves to be defeated by the power of friendship. Correct. So I feel kind of bad that he's typecast in that way. You know what? This is—that's a lucrative thing to be typecast into. That's true. Yeah. The fact that his face became more cartoonishly evil is good for him. Like, what if he grew up hot like Neville? <laughs> the other person I thought about was replacing Booker with Keanu because I believe that the the rapport between yes. Andy and Booker would yeah. be well represented by the the obvious rapport between and it Keanu. Would sting more when he betrayed them. It would That's be true. very hard. That would be terrible. I also think the hundred years apart again, great immortal logic. I feel like they really thought these things through with great yeah. care and detail. Yep. Also, in terms of the betrayal, like I'm sorry, I saw that coming the moment the movie started and she okay. was like i don't know about this job and he was like we're doing this job i was like that's the dude who turns his back on them i <laughs> probably should have known that and just didn't i pestered bob throughout the whole movie by just looking at him and being like i don't want him to do it i don't want him to do oh. it knowing that he was going to and then he did and i was like damn it um would this movie be improved by a prison riot i yes. say sure what? yeah i mean basically the scene where they get set up and they all get shot and die and then mm. wake up and murder everyone. It's essentially a prison riot. <laughs> I was also thinking uh, there could be more supernatural test subjects in the lab at the end, and they could all okay. get unleashed cabin in the woods style. <laughs> yes, that would be good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but otherwise it could have just been one of their missions. Like- sure. Mm-hmm. Or I'm like, Niall could have been taken to Germany and been put in a prison there waiting for the military mm-hmm. to process ah, the paperwork. Yeah. And then Charlize getting her out could be just like <laughs> Ghost Protocol. 
Exactly. <laughs> or Jack Reacher 2. <laughs> Guys, I like action movies a lot. <laughs> yes, me too. We're missing? I don't think so. Where would you rank it? So with the normal caveat that we've been having for all of our post-regular run episodes that our rankings are uh, out of sorts, um, <laughs> I, I gotta say that as much as I, you know, am nitpicking things about this movie, like, I really, really liked it. And sort of going back to the, like, what does this make you think of? I think the obvious answer for us is Atomic Blonde. In some ways, I think this is a better movie than Atomic Blonde. I think mm-hmm. that I prefer Atomic Blonde as a Charlize movie. So mm. I'm going to notch this in just below Atomic Blonde and just above Devil's Advocate. I think that's a good ranking. Um, I struggle to rank this because I'm th- thinking it in two parts. Like, I think it's a good story. I think it's a really good establishing like idea for a franchise. Um, but I cannot get past just how distracting i found its editing and like Mm -hmm. i just couldn't get immersed in it uh and i think even though it's like well like the story is like well reasoned and the logic is sound i'm gonna put it just below hancock i can't believe you think hancock is better than this i know i I want to i know i want to fight you (laughs) i don't think the story is better i just think that movie also has like very good like logical reasoning with the superpowers like the way it's like physically shown and all that kind of stuff and how it all works is very well designed the story is dreadful but (laughs) the moviness of the movie and its presentation i think hancock is just slightly better rendered and there's also like there's other netflixy elements to this like the cgi is a little hokey in places um cgi cop bob back in action but it's it's over detailed. It doesn't match what it's composited into. It's uh, words. The, the there's a plane that takes off at the at some point, and you see it from the outside, and the, the motion is wrong. It just looks off. And Hancock didn't have any of that problem. Like Hancock was very well put together. When this um, movie was first announced, I was like, "Oh God, more Hancock!" Like Charlize <laughs> is a mortal being, and I felt the opposite of the way that I feel about Hancock about this. So I really hope Bob, like, I really liked Hancock, I think, more than you did generally. Oh, everybody yeah. likes Hancock more than I did. <laughs> I, I really hope this can be brought into a larger franchise of other immortal. I really want Highlander to be in this. <laughs> uh I want I want Highlander to be like the Nick Fury of like Connor McCloud brings them into a larger universe. I'm into it. I'm 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 on board. Immortal Avengers. Yeah. Um, so for me, I similarly to you, Robin, I feel like the movie that this is the most similar to is Atomic Blonde in terms of Charlize's career. And I think that I ultimately will like this movie more than Atomic Blonde, like over the course of time, which I, but I think that Atomic Blonde in my ranking got the bump of, we were excited to see it. We saw it in the movie theaters and then we immediately recorded and there was that rush of like, woo, it came out. Yeah. And it was, I think the first time we had seen her do like a real deal action thing since Fury Road. And yeah. so it felt like just such a like, yes, I'm getting to see that. So all this to say that I'm ranking this lower than Atomic Blonde, but that's my explaining as to why Atomic Blonde is still high up. And I think for me, I'm going to put it just below Fate of the Furious. And I think part of the reasoning for that is the weight of the franchise affection that I have. And that oh. Fate of the Furious brought me to, like, that's the first one I saw before Fate I, like, of the went. Furious, I, I have the bump that you're talking about. My Fate of the Furious rating is wildly inflated. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm sure. I haven't seen it since. And I'm thinking about, and I hadn't seen I the have. other Fast and Furious it's, movies. 
that movie is fantastic. Okay, that movie I, is so fun, uh, and and very well directed. And it, it it is because we love the franchise so much, and also right. got to see it in the theater recorded right yeah. aftering. Yeah. So I'm sorry, Regina, you're putting it just below Fate of the Furious? So I'm putting it just below Fate of the Furious, and I regret to inform everyone that that bumps Huntsman's Winter's War out of my top 10, maybe, assuming that my list is correct. I, my apologies to you will do this for me, Huntsman, but. (laughs) Criticism aside, I really enjoyed this movie, and I really do hope they make the second one. Yeah, it's a great start. It's also, it's a fantastic quarantine movie. It's a great pandemic movie. It's a great Netflix. Like, it's like, it's a really good, like, I'm at home. Mm -hmm. I'm having a snack. This movie is engrossing. I think the action is good. It's not, like I said, like, I don't think it's like a feel-good romp action movie, but it's a very satisfying action romp movie. And like, if you watch the trailer and seeing like their body twitches as they get shot, again, not to keep going back to Star Trek, but I've been watching a lot of it. I just thought of all of them having to act that way as if they were on the bridge of a ship that was getting shot. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, it's fun. You should watch it at the end. Which, uh, speaking of the end, um, we once upon a time ended Theranathon on Sweet November because that's when we had caught up to all of Charlize's past career. And we made bold promises of a second podcast. Um, We took a a hearty delay, but uh, we're pleased to announce that we actually have recorded the first episode of Keanu Review, which is also about Sweet November. Um, So if you want to re-listen to the Theranathon episode to get yourself ready for it, then you can judge whether or not our opinions have changed in the intervening two years. Um, But we will be releasing the first Keanu Review shortly. It's recorded. It's in the can. Yeah. It's It's real now. It's real. (laughs) Bob is editing. So, uh, you know, if you like this show, you're going to like that show. It's essentially the same show. (laughs) New segments, though, mostly. New segments. Retooled. New movies, mostly, but the same three people and dynamic. So at least two of the same movies. Yes. Right, exactly. Hopefully more. Hopefully more. Oh yeah. my god, what if John Wick met up with Andy and it's they were like, we can want. we have some drinks about oh how shit god. is rough? So, thank you for listening. Thank you to Alex Reed for our amazing theme tune. Thank you for your patience and waiting for the Keanu review to all of our five listeners. Thank yes. you to my co-hosts. And most importantly, thank, thank you, you Charlie. fire axe we mean an axe that you would grab in a fire not a flaming axe which could have gone either way easily could have been the other thing (laughs) and like a thing that i loved about john like john wick would use an axe if he were trained in using an axe exactly and like i feel like a thing we've talked about john wick is trained in using an axe okay you're right i'm sorry come on i'm just i'm full of shit okay continue